happens when the doctor gets sick? What happens when that doctor is also a Christian who has the roles of wife and mum as well? My guest today found herself in the position of being so sick that for weeks she couldn't even lift her head off her pillow. Three years on, she's still recovering. Annabelle and I caught up for a chat in her beautiful country kitchen, cleverly avoiding most of the children's teeth, shower and bedtime routine at the same time. I hope you enjoy listening to our chat. Stick around at the end of the interview because I have a question for you. I'm sitting here with my friend Annabelle and secretly we would love to be Annabelle Crab and Lee Sales. We've got some beautiful food and we've actually got a really nice bottle of bread in front of us and we've just had a beautiful country roast lamb on Easter Sunday. So it's lovely to be here with you, Annabelle. It's lovely to have you. Thank you. <laughs> so I want to start by asking you how you became a Christian. Yeah, my best friend Karen, who I've been friends with since we were kids, um, took me to church with her, well, to Sunday school, actually. And so in primary school, that was? Yeah, in primary school. Yeah, wow. So I went to primary school um, with her, went to Sunday school for a number of years. Um, then she and her family changed churches. So then I went to youth group with Karen. Um, and I think by that stage, yeah, I knew what Christianity was all about, I knew what the gospel was. And I remember sitting in our school assembly in the choir, and it was a church school, so we had a chaplain. And I remember praying, God, please make me a Christian. And I think I'd been praying that prayer for a while. And I just remember sitting in the choir, praying that prayer, and then coming to the realization that I actually was one. Because when you are, you know, when you pray that prayer, you are one. So yeah, so that was probably the moment. I think I was in year eight at school, so I would have been thirteen or fourteen. So Karen must have been very excited when. Oh. Or was it more just you were her friend no, and you did that I think stuff it was together? Just, yeah, I think it was just a natural progression. I don't yeah. think it was any sort of mm. lightning moment. I think it was just a mm. yeah, a natural progression of our friendship together mm. yeah nice and you're still friends now yeah oh, lovely yeah. that's good now I want to ask you about your career and how it impacts on your faith and how your faith might impact on how you practice in your career because it's very interesting you're um, a medical doctor and have worked as a GP but you're actually involved with the university mm. in GP educating mm. How has your faith influenced the way you work, do you think? I've, I've thought about this quite a lot. And I think certainly when I was younger and going through medical school, um, I think, it, it, yeah, it certainly made you think about a lot of different things. And sometimes it seemed that faith conflicted a lot with, um, with a lot of medical practice. Can you give me a couple uh, of examples? I mean, I think they've fairly obvious um, ways, you know, things like abortion and right, yeah. um, even contraception, I think, is an issue for some people. Yeah. So I guess there's the, the biggies. Mm. Um, I mean, creation and evolution, being taught about how, how the human body forms. Um, but I've, I mean, I've, I've have observed a lot of Christian doctors over the years and I've been very lucky to have lots of 
Christian doctors as friends. And, and my observation is that there is a huge range of the way people practice their faith um, and their practice of medicine. And I would say that there is a spectrum from very conservative to very liberal. And I think that's everybody working through their faith and then how it, yeah, how it interacts with, with their life. So in Australia, I think, you know, the most recent debate has been around homosexual marriage and, and transgender. Um, and I, that's, again, that's something that I've worked through, yeah, for 20 years. Mm. Um, you know, I've had lots of patients who come and I'm the first person they've told that, uh, that they're gay. They're often Christian. They often feel like they're going to be rejected by their church. And so I feel like it's an, an enormous privilege to have those conversations um, with people. And certainly transgender, you know, I've treated a lot of people medically um, who are transgender. So, yeah, so I think it, it's been really difficult, actually. Uh, you know, I know what I think about it medically. I know what I think about it biologically. But theologically, that's trickier. Um, so that's, yeah, that's been, mm. that's been difficult. In, in that, I, I feel like I... I'm comfortable in my position on things, but but yeah, other Christians aren't. I don't feel the need to explain to anybody. I just you know feel the need to be uh, loving and gracious towards my patients. But certainly for me, the I think the bigger issues that I think play a role in my everyday practice and working life is actually more about working with integrity, so being honest, being, treating everybody with respect so, so and treating everybody equally. So hospitals are an extremely hierarchical institution and doctors oh, can so be... So you mean your colleagues with yeah, respect, yes. Yeah, well, yeah, well no, and patients. everybody. So, so you, you often see doctors being the top of a hierarchy and they hold a lot of power um, and they wield a lot of power. And so f for me, one of the most important things is just to remember that everybody is made in the image of God. Every single person, whether they be the orderly at the hospital or the cleaner or the nurse or my fellow doctor uh, or patients who come from really bad circumstances who may may not be the nicest person in the world you know I think we're, we're called to serve them and so for me that is a bigger a bigger issue in my work and my Christian faith than perhaps some of the sort of ethical issues which don't seem to come up very often but every day mm. it's how you treat people that's a you know to me that's a hallmark of being a Christian in the workplace mm. is how you treat everybody around you every day. Mm, thanks, that's really helpful. With the issue of homosexuality and transgender and same-sex marriage, do you sometimes feel that Christians would have either a different position or a different way of communicating their position if they had had as much experience with people struggling as you had? Oh, look, I, yeah, I do. and. I had this conversation with um, some people at our church who said, look, we would be very loving if, if someone who was gay came to our church. We'd be really loving, we'd care for them. 
but I think the, the reality is that actually they wouldn't come because they would have a certain expectation of what people would say to them. So I, I remember one young gay man who came to see me and he, he was terrified that his church would find out. Mm. He was absolutely terrified and we had really, really long conversations about it. I know that there have been a lot of yeah, angry sort of strident voices on both sides of mm. the debate and I think that that anger often gets people offside. Mm. But the reality for me is that my, yeah, most gay people I know are not the angry, shouty people. They're people who've really struggled mm. and really struggled with their family, with their friends, with their expectations of themselves. So it's yeah, been quite a struggle, I think, for mm. certainly for most of the people I've known. Mm. I think most Christians aren't the angry, shouty Christians about that issue, though. Or do you feel like more of them are? Well, it's certainly not the people that I mix with, mm. no, mm. no. But I, yeah, I think the debate got a bit ugly in both mm. in both quarters, mm. in the media, anyway. Mm. And I was thinking today, actually, because I was telling my boys that you know everything about the human body because you're a doctor. <laughs> and I was thinking that is quite amazing that you just know so much about how our body works, and mm. we'll get to it later. But the way you described to me the particular ner- working of a particular nerve and its particular job, and mm. does that sort of increase your awe of God and how he has made us or is it something that you just yep that's just what I know about you know yeah no I I mean I just think yeah that the body is an incredible thing it's it's amazingly beautiful in Mm. the way that it's been put together um how it works it's it's just a yeah it's just a beautiful thing except when it vomits (laughs) because <laughs> we like did it. have some vomit today on yeah, our bushwalk. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but, it, you know, but even, um, you know, thinking through evolution, even if even if evolution was a process by which our um, our Earth came into to being, it's just, it's not, it didn't happen by chance, you know. It's just, it's just too beautifully made mm. for it to all be an act of... Of random mm. randomness and, and intricacy random chance. Too. Yeah. Absolutely. So one of the big things for you I know for the last couple of years at least has been your illness. Mm. Do you want to tell me a little bit about that and then tell me how it's affecting you now? Okay, so about three years ago, a bit over three years ago, I was having a really hard time at work. I was finding work very stressful more stressful than I'd ever found it before and and I was actually seriously thinking of quitting my job so I prayed a prayer and I said God I just need a break can you please give me a break and so I was kind of had in my mind you know maybe a month off relax do something nice for say a month something that that would have been that would have been nice yeah but a couple of weeks after I prayed that prayer God answered it in the form of giving me quite a severe vertigo. So, so severe to the point that I couldn't get out of bed for three months. Um, I couldn't walk for a month. I could barely lift my head out of bed. I couldn't read. I couldn't listen to music. After a month, I could get from the bed to the lounge so I could watch TV. But yeah, basically spent sort of three months not being able to do very much. And then very gradually 
recovered the balance, the vertigo or dizziness um, very, very gradually subsided. But I had a, a whole year off work. I had a whole year off being a parent. I just, I couldn't do anything. Yeah, sat around the house, did not very much for a very long time. And yeah, just a very, a very interesting experience, I, I guess. Certainly the three months where I could really do nothing except watch bad daytime television. I was so bored. How I have quickly never... did the boredom set in? Oh, like a day? After yeah. a day, I was like, yeah, okay, thanks God. I'm, I've had my break. I'm ready to, yeah, I'm ready to do, sort of just do normal stuff again. But yeah, very, very quickly. So I just, I was just, I have never been so bored. And what did in you do life. in the boredom? Like, did you get angry, frustrated, just blah? Just... Oh, look, I, I mean, I probably was too sick at that point to, um, I slept a lot. Mm. And um, yeah, I probably was really too sick to do to do much. Mm. And then um, when I could sit up on the couch and watch daytime television, I, re- I realised why people who are housebound and can't do very much and watch bad daytime television get really depressed. And because, they actually do, don't they? Yeah, yeah. because television during the daytime is horrible there's yeah. horrible stuff on yeah it was not not a great experience it was also interesting in the sense that because I wasn't working and because I wasn't parenting basically all of the roles that I played in life I was not doing so your sense of identity is very caught up in in the things that you do and so when you don't have that sense of identity you really sort of yeah start to question well what what am I doing what am I here for what's my purpose in life what's the point of me being on this earth so it was actually it was an an interesting time of I guess I spent a lot of that time thinking and reflecting on yeah why I had been so stressed in my job and what had been going on and did the stress in part trigger the illness Oh, I think so, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I think it was the cause of my immune system being impaired, which caused caused the infection in my nerve, which then caused the dizziness. Yeah, so just, yeah, just reflecting on God's purpose for my life and why God had put me on this earth and what he wants me to do with my life. Um, It was actually actually quite a good time of just, just thinking through those things and thinking through, well, what am I doing and why am I doing it? Um, so to have three months to think about that, yeah, that was... Yeah, that's a long time. Again. But I, I mean, I think the answers that I came up with were, well, yes, I am actually happy with what I'm doing with my life and that I do feel that what I am doing is what God wants me to be doing. Um, I have another lovely, beautiful friend called Katrina whose philosophy is that God wants you to do what's in front of you. And I just think that's so practical and so true Mm. Um, and so pragmatic. It's like, you know, if you sit around thinking, wondering what God wants you to do with your life, just open your eyes and look around Mm. because that's, you know, that's what he wants you to do. Yeah, it's where you are. So that was, yeah, that was helpful when she said that as well. Mm. Yeah, after a year I went back to doing the jobs that that I was doing, but I've still, it's it's now been three years and I've, I've still... I still struggle with illness on a daily basis. Yeah, um, I still have. Can you recovery. describe that just so people can sort of understand how much it affects your life? Hold on, we'll just pause. Got a bit of an interruption. <laughs> Hello. We're doing an interview, honey. 
<laughs> the interruption has left the room. <laughs> um, describe that life on a daily basis. So I feel quite uh, a lot of fatigue. Um, I wake up in the morning um, and have to have to regain my balance. So I wake up feeling like the world is unbalanced and have to regain my balance, which takes sort of about an hour, I guess. But yeah, wake up feeling fatigued, like I've had a really bad night's sleep. Um, my balance is really bad, so I can f- fall over walking on flat ground. Just, you know, not fall mm. over, but trip over. Mm. And yeah, I feel, it's not dizziness, but but I feel unsteady. Mm. And then every so often uh, I get episodes of vertigo again, which sort of last anywhere from three to five days and uh, and often put me back in bed for a period of time. Mm. And when yeah. you close your eyes, do you sort of have very little balance? I've got no balance if I close right. my eyes, yeah. 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 So, so in the dark, I, I can't walk right. in the dark. I look like a... A drunk person if I try and walk in the dark. Yeah. Oh wow. Okay, so that is that is hard, and that may be your lot for the rest of your life. I hope not, but there's every possibility that um, I'll continue to have, yeah, symptoms. I mean, my brain plasticity should relearn to do some of that balancing, but uh, it's very very slow. It's taken three years, and it hasn't learnt very much yet, so I think it will continue to be very slow progress. Um, and it's it's interesting people's reactions. I had, I had one friend who really wanted to have a, a hands-on healing session for me, and look, it was really lovely of her to offer. She was a bit surprised when I didn't want to do that, but it's not that I don't believe God could heal me. I just actually don't think that that's what's going to happen for me over the next little while. Or certainly not in any speedy, miraculous way. I think this has probably happened for me to learn some lessons. And I think I'm still learning lessons. I think that whole identity thing is, is tied up with it. I think my observation of people who are doctors is that... Um, being a doctor is a, is very core to your identity. So if someone says to me, if I'm describing myself to someone I'm just meeting, that's the first thing I will say, is I'm a GP. And that's so core to my identity. It doesn't even, it doesn't even um, think, think to say I'm a Christian as the first thing that I say. And so I'm just working through my identity in Christ and what does that mean? in terms of how I think about myself and, and then how I think about my, um, my role in the world. And I was reading John's Gospel the other day. I think it's chapter 15, verse 4, which says, if you remain in me, you will bear much fruit. And the thing that has been really frustrating me lately has been the fact that I don't feel like I'm bearing much fruit because <laughs> half the time I'm lying in bed with vertigo and the other half of the time, I just don't have the energy that I used to have to do stuff. And so I feel like I'm very unproductive. I feel like I'm not doing the things I want to do. And that verse really struck me because it's like, okay, 
maybe what I should be doing is is just really deepening my relationship with God and then whatever I am doing and what I'm capable of doing flows from that outworking of that relationship rather than depending on my own strength, which is what I've done most of my life because, you know, because yeah. I have been able to yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, depend on my own strength. And right now I can't depend on my own strength and I still haven't learned that lesson and I think I'm a very slow learner. And have you questioned God's goodness in this or have you been quite convinced the whole time that this is this is his hand for your good somehow yeah Uh, look I I haven't questioned God's goodness Uh, being a doctor you just you just see all the awful stuff that happens in the world and I think if you if you sort of think oh if if that is a work of God and that's not a work of God and and you sort of try and work out which which bits God and which bits not God it does your head in like the world is the world is fallen and bad stuff happens and I mean maybe there is no meaning to to what is going on for me maybe it's just that it's uh, you know I'm living in a fallen world my body is part of a fallen world and and maybe that's maybe that's all there is so ultimately I I think the sort of temporal nature of our existence is not the ultimate reality it's that um that heaven is our ultimate reality and that that will be a place where there is no sickness and um and there is no death so while this is all still going on in the world uh, and what's happening to me it's part of this it's part of this world so yeah no i haven't i haven't questioned god's goodness certainly i have lots of medical colleagues and friends who are non-christians who question god's goodness they you know say well how on earth could you believe in a god who lets such a horrible thing happened to a small child or mm. or to you a good person you know do they yeah yeah, yeah. and um so i work with a lot of people who are very convinced of the non-reality of god mm. um and and when they see th- bad things happen to them that's proof that there there isn't a god and that but that's difficult to challenge i i haven't yet worked out how to challenge that except Except that I believe that the ultimate reality is that there will be no suffering mm. eventually. But again, that's hard. Yeah. That's, but it that's is interesting, isn't it? Because accept. people who work in the medical profession, they do see all the suffering, but they also see the babies born and the miracle of medicines and operations that can fix people. Like they mm. see all the good as well, mm. but it's the bad that informs their view of. Yeah. The existence of God or not. Yeah. That's simplistic. I know it's more complicated than that, but... I'm yeah. sure it's more complicated than that, mm. but yeah. Mm. So you were talking about wanting to deepen your relationship with Christ and reflect more on what it means to be in Christ. Practically, how do you go about doing that? So God has been telling me for three years to slow down and stop doing too much, right? Yes. You know, the days yeah. the days where I the only thing I can do is lie in bed and, and read a book. Mm. It's like slow down, stop, mm. have time to think and reflect. Mm. And so I've been consciously trying to I guess build that into 
my day. Except for Manic Mondays. Except for where Manic you have Mondays. To, where the whole family has to leave the house by 7.15. Yes, yes, not on Mondays, but just, yeah, consciously. And, look, I think, I think trying to start the day where you do that as well, where you start the day by thinking about God, by reading God's Word and and just, yeah, thinking a little bit about how your day is going to reflect abiding in abiding in Jesus. But that doesn't happen every day. It doesn't happen on Manic Tuesdays often either. But I guess that that's what I'm trying to think through and do at the moment. Um, I have discovered that Don Carson's For the Love of God series is actually online, which was pretty exciting. At the Gospel As Coalition. Downloadable. You just go to the Gospel Coalition website yep. and uh, click on today. Yep. It's from America, so it's a day behind, but that's okay. Doesn't matter. No. <laughs> and um, because I love those books, yes. but um, but I don't often have them at my bedside, but I have my phone. <laughs> for so, good or bad. You know, well. <laughs> yeah. That's using it for good. It's using it for good. So, yes. so being able to read that and read the Bible out. Mm-hmm same time because mm. yeah. that has a little passage of the bible and then it's like a couple of paragraphs of reflection isn't it yeah and, and don cousin's just a, a very wise man so mm. it's yeah mm. it's always something and to does think it about. work through particular books or is it a bit random uh it works through four books at a time but um the commentary's on two of those books and it sort of swaps every yeah. couple of days Oh, so, so it's read the Bible in a year kind of yeah, thing as well. Yeah, yep, got yeah. it. Yeah. Um, so you kind of, yeah, unless you do all four readings, which I don't mm. do, um, it can be a little bit random if you mm. don't read all the readings. Yeah. So, yeah, but so that's what I'm doing at the moment. The yeah. other app that I found really good is um, from a, um, a church in Brisbane called Creek Road Presbyterian, and they have grown daily Bible readings which again are written by a lot of people I know so um, and they're very topical for for what's happening in Australia uh, right at the moment so um, yeah that's I find good. them really yeah. really good to read so yeah that's that's the main thing I'm trying to do at the moment and then just to reflect through during my working day, just what, yeah, what am I doing that's honouring to God and just being very conscious about praying for people who make me cross. Yes. <laughs> now, I know you love cooking. Yes. Just like, you know, your namesake, Annabelle. The other Annabelle. <laughs> the other Annabelle. And we'll just pause for a sec We're going to say goodnight to someone. Okay, so we were saying that you mm. love to cook and you are mm. a very good cook. And today we've had, oh my goodness, roast lamb, a gorgeous roast pumpkin, roasted... Roasted veg. Roasted... And um, goat's cheese salad. Yes, but we... Red onion. Thank you. <laughs> and a potato bake. And now I we're feel, enjoying... I feel like this is an episode of The Castle. <laughs> no, it's not the no? castle. Okay. Right. What's this? Bumka, chocolate bumka. But what did you do with it? <laughs> <laughs> I baked it. Yeah, but what is it? It's bread with chocolate. It's so it's good. Bread. It's basically <laughs> bread with chocolate. Sold. Yeah, yeah. 
Anyway, um, you love cooking. Do, mm. Is that something like, do you have an opportunity to serve people with food or is the last three years just service for you, like just out the window? Oh, look, I didn't cook for a whole year. And so my beautiful husband, my beautiful mother-in-law and my beautiful mother all did the cooking. And after a year, I had to reclaim my kitchen and absolutely nothing was where it should have been. I basically spent a whole day just reorganising everything back to where it was supposed to go. And then I sort of, yeah, reclaimed my kitchen again. Um, cooking is my hobby. I, and I think I love cooking because I love eating. So the easy, easiest way to eat really good food is to cook it yourself. And I'm just so lucky to live uh, in rural Australia where you just have access to really beautiful produce and there's the sort of country hospitality I guess. When people come to stay, either to stay with us or just come for lunch, people stay. We learned that, you know, you invite people for lunch, they don't stay a couple of hours, they stay till dinner time. Right. So, so, so you need food to last that so you long. you need food. Yeah. You need lots of it. That's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. Just because there's more time and often they've travelled a bit maybe? Or just there's there's that more vibe. time. No, the, the life is slower paced than in the city mm. um, and people have more time for each other. There's a real sense of community. Mm. I just love the sense of yeah, mm. community living, living mm. in the country. I think it's something that, yeah, it's, it's very precious. People from all sort of different circles will... Yeah, we'll come together and you'll know each other from all sorts of different parts of the community and all those different circles over that. Nice. Yeah. We might finish it there, Annabelle. All right. Nice positive nod to the country (laughs) (laughs) and your beautiful cooking. Thanks for being my guest on The Lydia Project Thank you for inviting me. Hi again. Now, Annabelle's husband listens to The Lydia Project on his jogs around the block. It's in the country, so the blocks are rather large. So firstly, hello to you, five kilometre jogging husband of Annabelle's. Now, what about you? This is what I want to know. I want to know who you are and when it is that you listen to The Lydia Project. So far, people have told me that they listen to The Lydia Project to know. You can do this on our Facebook page. You can just write a comment or send a message or you can do it through iTunes and whilst you're there you can leave a review. Now if you're like me, you listen to lots of podcasts, you even read lots of reviews but you never leave them yourself, I'm actually going to talk you through how to leave a review. If you've got an iPhone or an Apple computer it's pretty easy. You just go to iTunes store, you search for the Lydia Project, you click on the actual Lydia Project and then you choose ratings and reviews. You click write a review and you can say what you thought about the podcast and tell me where it was that you listened to it. If you have a PC or your phone isn't an Apple phone, you can't do it on your phone, you'll have to actually download iTunes onto your PC. This is what I am just doing myself now. 
and I think the way you do it is the same. I'll come back and let you know if it's not. All right, see you next time.